The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic and Paralympic partner, a founding partner of the Olympic Channel. Olympic Channel podcast. My name is Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. And we've seen King look very, very confident. It's emotion charge though, yeah, isn't it? You yeah. can really feel it. She's one of the most confident human beings on the planet. Double Olympic champion, US swimmer Lily King is just unafraid to stare down opponents in the waiting room. She spent a lot of time thinking about how she can win races before races even begin. King battles out of the water. King wins the battle in the water. Let's just say that those methods have been working. Since her two Olympic gold medals in Rio, she's been dominant, winning four individual gold medals at the World Championships and setting world records in the 50 and 100 meter breaststroke. And she's with me now. Lily, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. So... Where are you at the moment? What's the training status at the moment? Is there anything slightly resembling normality at the moment for you? Yeah, we're, um, well, I, I train with a group of probably 15 professionals here um, in Bloomington, Indiana. Um, you know, some of us are American. We have lots of others that are, that are foreigners that are tied to the university that I swam at. Um, and yeah, so we're kind of starting to get back to normal. Um, I also normally train with the college team here. So, um, this has been my first week of a normal uh, practice schedule since March. So <laughs> definitely starting to get back into it, but it's, it's good. We're, we're on the right path. So how close to like being on schedule and being on the right path are you now then? Uh, I would say like this week is, is pretty normal. Um, but practice times are a little weird still because we can't get into the pool at certain hours. So um, I would say, volume wise of my training is normal um but just like times of little nitpicky things are a little bit strange you seem to have mastered the kind of the fine art of mental mind games so you know how much of swimming is one of the is like these mental mind games i mean what are what are some tips for you know like some people who who want to you know get into that elite kind of mindset yeah um i i really feel that like the the mindset and kind of the mental side of racing is something that i have i don't even want to say mastered because you can always be better um but something that i have definitely taken advantage of more than a lot of my competitors do i think um because i i've known from a young age that i can convince myself to swim faster and i can convince myself to beat the person next to me and it is literally all in my head so, um, and a lot of the time I just, I like to see if I can win the race before it starts. That's kind of, that's kind of the mantra that I go by, like win the race before the race starts. Um, because I do, I do a lot of the time. And I, I know that if I'm swimming someone that's a really great, great swimmer, but they're not as tough as I am mentally, I can stare them down and they're going to freak out. Like, and if you can just keep staring people down, if you know that's going to freak them out, like they're scared of you, you should not be scared of your competitors. Your competitors should be scared of you. So, um, that's kind of, and that's kind of what I do. I just try to, I just try to scare the people next to me and it usually works. <laughs> you have to be really good for that to work. <laughs> I'd be very confident to do it. But, um, if you have that confidence, go for it. Why not? I'm the first to say I am cocky, but like I can back it up. So <laughs> there's a reason I act 
act like that. And it's because I can back it up and it's because of what I've done in the pool. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, and I think a lot of it goes back to if I was a guy, that conversation would never happen. If I was Michael Phelps, if I was Caleb Dressel, that conversation would never happen. But since I'm female and I speak my mind and I tell people what I think, that's coming off as me being brash and me being cocky instead of me being, oh, this supreme leader, swimmer person. Like that's, I think, honestly, I think that's a lot of the difference between being a male athlete and a female athlete. I remember uh, Missy Franklin once saying in an interview that we did, I was a teenage girl and I was practically naked in front of billions of people. Like, absolutely, I went through body image issues when I was growing up. You're uber confident. That's true. Yeah. sure. But <laughs> is, there, is there anything there that, that has, has upset you? Or is there something that, you know, you, you, could, you, you could share to not be in any way, you know, like ashamed or whatever? Yeah. Really honest, like I, I am a super confident person, and I don't really care what people say about me. Like I genuinely don't. I know that, like I'm, if I'm in a swim meet, if I'm at the Olympics, like I'm in the best shape of my life, and you can say that I'm fat, and I don't care because I don't know you. Like I, you know, my, like people tell me they get in better shape or lose weight or anything, and I'm like, okay, like I'm still the fastest. Like who cares? Um, but that's me. I know I have like a lot of other people definitely have had body issues and that is very normal. But for me and my wacky brain, I really haven't. So <laughs> we're back at the Olympic Aquatic Stadium in Rio where the swimming enters the third session of finals. The queen of the hundred breaststroke, an Olympic record. She talked the talk and she walked the walk. Take us back. Like, what was it like in, in Rio and Pick, pick a few bits that you really enjoyed. I mean, my race was like obviously very exciting for me and all that stuff, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean like there were just so many other races during the week that like, I know when I was racing, it just felt like a swim meet, but when I was watching my teammates race, it felt like the Olympics. So I was actually sitting in the stands with my parents for, um, Simone Manuel's hunter freestyle. It's a dead heat. Dead heat. Oh my goodness. We have dual Olympic champions in the 100 freestyle. Oh my goodness. And she's one of my best friends. So like it was, it, it was just a really incredible moment. That one I remember was, I was, I was definitely crying after that one. Um, <laughs> I would, I would cry for other people's races, but not my own. Um, and then my Dorado's 200 backstroke where she upset Katinka. It was like, <sighs> Hoshu the Iron Lady, Hoshu Dorado. I just had a feeling when she walked out for that race, like she was going to win and everybody was kind of looking around like, what's Maya going to do? Like, it's probably another silver. And I just had this weird feeling that she was going to win. And sure enough. Um, and I was standing next to her coach watching that race, which was funny just to watch him, <laughs> watch her swim the race. Cause obviously he was a lot more stressed out than, than I was. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think for you personally in the background, uh, to, Rio 2016, there was a lot of debate concerning athletes from Russia and the state-sponsored doping program. And you ended up at Rio wagging a finger towards Yulia Efimova, who was born in Russia and had been uh, banned for, for doping. Uh, what motivated that reaction back in Rio? The, the reaction was actually completely candid. Um, <laughs> I didn't 
you know, again, first big meet, didn't realize there was a camera in the ready room. Like nobody told me that. Also, I guess nobody else acts like an idiot in the ready room like I do. Um, but yeah, I just kind of, you know, I, I didn't know if she was going to be racing until I would say the day of opening ceremonies. So I didn't know if my biggest competition was going to be racing until we were like ready to start prelims. Um, so that was, that was interesting. And I, I didn't want her to, I wanted her to be able to race because I didn't want to win not racing the best in the world, which, you know, dope, you know, positive doping case or not, she is one of the best swimmers in the world. Um, so I didn't want to have that race without her being there. Cause I didn't want people to say, well, she won, but you know, Yulia wasn't there. So did she really win? Like that, that was my thought process. So, um, kind of going into that semifinal, I was like, well, you know, like I'm racing a doper, whatever it's, everyone has to do it. I'll just, I'll deal with it. And we'd really kind of talked about my coaches and I like not saying anything, like just keep your head down and let me race, which is not my style at all. <laughs> But 19 years old, it sounded like a good play. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, she kind of like threw up this number one after the semifinal. And I was like, dude, what the heck? Like, I have to swim next. Like, ha ha, I'll, I'll do this. And like, I was literally just joking, like, ha ha ha, I know I'm going to win. Um, and then what everyone saw on their TVs at home was like the slowed down, like super weird version of me wagging my finger. Um, and it turned into this whole big ordeal. <laughs> So yeah, I get out of my race and, and the interviewer asked me, she's like, well, what was this about? And there's like a very brief moment in the clip where you can see my eyes kind of go, Oh, like they caught me. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go back and find that. Cause I did not know. <laughs> <So I'm> like, <laughs> <That's good. laughs> yeah. So they asked me, I was like, well, I'm in too deep now. I might as well just say something. So yeah, I basically just said, well, she's doping. I don't like that. Deal with it. <laughs> and it turned into this big thing and I went viral, which is something I'm grateful for because I feel like it's given me this platform to, you know, speak out and be true to myself and being honest, like not having to skirt around answers all the time for me has been so nice because I'm such a, I'm such a blunt and honest person anyway. So having my whole platform being about me speaking my mind and me telling the truth and me speaking out against, against dopers has been awesome. <laughs> so I am, uh, this I'm not thankful for, but what it has done for me, I'm very thankful for. I mean, were you surprised by the kind of reaction at the time or, you know, uh, what was kind of your your kind of reading at the time of the whole thing? Did you expect it? Like, what what was your reaction? Um, I, I was expecting it because I was kind of like flashing back in my mind, like, okay, this is going to be set up to be a USA versus Russia battle. That's what it's going to be. Like, I know that's what this race is going to be set up to be. It's going to be pushed like that in the media, so we get more views, which is fine for me. Cause that's, that's great for me personally, but I knew that that storyline was coming. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it was one where I was, I was surprised by the articles that were so negative towards what I said. Um, and obviously you're going to get some backlash here and there, but I was, I was just surprised because all I said was she cheated. I don't like that. That was what I said which is 
and people were saying I was being this cocky American, like you're disgusting, you're, you know, you're uneducated. And I was like, all I said was I didn't like this girl that cheated. (laughs) Would you want to race a cheater at the Olympics? I don't think so. So for some of those articles that came out were a little concerning and they do pop up on my feed every once in a while. Like somebody will tag me in it. I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to read that anymore. (laughs) I'm over it. Yeah, no, I, I, and let's move on because I feel like it is, it was a long time ago and, uh, and, and since Rio, I mean, you've every more reason to be cocky because you've been even more dominant. How on earth do you keep that level of consistency over such a, like a, a long period of time? Yeah, it's definitely hard to stay motivated at times because I'll come to practice and I'm like, well, like. I already did this. I already, I already set a world record. I already won the Olympics. Like what, you know, like what's next? Like nothing at this point, nothing is new for me. Um, cause I've done it, which is great. I'm very happy that I've done it, but it's, it is hard staying motivated when it's, um, like, okay, it's time to like, I just have to repeat everything that I've done. Um, but honestly, it all comes down to the fact that I really just hate to lose. Um, I am genuinely embarrassed when I lose. Um, and I will do anything to keep from having that embarrassment on my shoulders. So um, that's that's honestly what probably pushes me the most. I believe no woman has ever won consecutive 100 meter breaststroke Olympic titles. I mean, that must be motivation, though. Yeah, of course. I mean, um, like that's why I swim. I swim for those moments. I swim to. My favorite thing in the world is walking out before a race and like having the whole crowd scream your name. There is nothing better than that there's no better feeling um and if that makes people nervous then that's like that's the craziest thing ever to me because that there is nothing but like just joy and confidence coming from that for me um just because I feel like everyone in that building is there is there to watch me swim um but yeah it's just like thinking about that at practices well obviously you know I said I don't want to (laughs) lose so that's the number one but yeah it's, it's just like you 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 know, I've been swimming for what, 15 something years. Um, and that's that you, you train for those few moments. You train for that one minute in the pool. So, um, yeah, of course it motivates me to practice. That's, uh, I feel you there with the, the, the can't, the can't lose. Like that's definitely what drives me on whenever I'm tired. I'm like, no way you're going to get the, like, get in the game. Basically. I mean, is there a loss that stands out that really burns? Yeah, um, there was one. Um, I I lost the 100-meter breaststroke at Short Course World Championships the December after Rio. And I, like, didn't know what to do. I, I was – and I think that's actually the last time I've lost the 100 breaststroke. Um, so I, I just remember I got out of the pool. I was like – I'm not, I'm not used to this. Like I'm the Olympic champion. I'm not supposed to lose. <laughs> and it was, it was just a, I think it was a defining moment for me. Just one reminding myself that I really hate to lose. And two, it was like, okay, you're the Olympic champion, but you still have to, you know, keep working your butt off and, and still keep trying. And it's not going to come easily just because you won the Olympics. Given that form and that incredible year that you uh, had in 2019 and to have your own kind of whole plan that you've had all put back by one year, how much has that affected you? You know, uh, how much of a blow was that day? 
it's been, it's just been really weird. Like, um, I'm going to practice every day, not knowing when I'm going to race again, um, which is strange, but honestly, like I, I thinking back now, like, I don't really think I was in the mindset to race at the Olympics. I mean, I, like I was going to do it. I was going to race and hopefully win. Um, but I don't think I was enjoying swimming as much as I had in the past. Um, and then all of a sudden that was ripped away from us. And I, I think it just like, I took a step back and realized how grateful I was to, you know, to be swimming and to go to practice and to be racing. And now it's like, I think I'm more mentally ready for the Olympics than I would have been had it been this summer. So, um, kind of, I think, you know, kind of a blessing in, dis in disguise for me right now. Cause I definitely feel, um, a lot more mentally prepared now than I did. Maybe not physically prepared because <laughs> practice has been really weird with COVID shutdowns, but um, I'm definitely in a much uh, better and healthier mindset than I was before. I saw that you were kind of in awe, I want to say, of uh, the US women's soccer team and kind of <laughs> their World Cup win and their swag, as you called it, which I think... <laughs> Do you think that we're in a better place in terms of female sport in, in 2020? I think so. I mean, if sports are even happening in 2020, like I think, I think we're, we're on the way to, to female sports being in a better spot. And that, you know, I, I really do think that started last summer with the, with the U S uh, women's national soccer team. That was the first group of females I had ever seen collectively that acts like I act, that act like competitors outwardly that say, you're not going to beat me. I'm tough. You know, you can't like, again, their swag, female athletes didn't act like that before last summer, especially as a group. Um, and, and if they did, they weren't getting the, the views or like the, they weren't having the social media presence that that team had. Um, and I think, I think them coming forward and, and you know, being tough and being competitor and saying, you're not going to beat me. Like that, <laughs> that is, that is what all athletes think. And that is what a lot of male athletes say, but that is not what a lot of female athletes say. And I know when, you know, being one of those few female athletes that does like kind of speak my mind and act like a competitor all the time, um, that's something that we get reprimanded for. And I think after last summer, it's starting to become a lot more accepted and, and maybe more widespread. So that was like the glimmer of hope I needed. <laughs> I think there's something about it that it's become kind of cool almost to um, stand for something and people respect the risk that you've taken in order to do that now. Whereas before you were kind of derided for taking the risk, whatever it would be, if it failed. I think now people like really respect you for... Um, for going out there and saying something. Yeah. It's, it's one where, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people will say like, you're an athlete, you're not a politician. And I take that as well. I know that if I set my mind to something and I feel that I can change, I can make change. I can affect change. I have this platform that I can use and I choose to use that to instill change in the things I think are necessary. So, um, and I think again, like, especially this year, um, the athletes are really starting to do that a lot, especially with the, with the black lives matter movement. So, um, 
it's, it's been really good to see. Cause I think, you know, athletes don't use their platforms enough and, um, it's, it's been nice. Cause I think a lot of, a lot of athletes have decided to speak out. They're not as scared anymore because it's becoming more normalized. Challenge time. I basically, I found these, um, animal noises on the internet okay. and, and I thought I'm going to ask Lily King what animals she thinks best describes some of her teammates. Ooh, okay, that's a good one. Katie Ledecky. Katie, okay, Katie has to be something, this is gonna be a thought process for me. Yeah, Katie, not in the pool, is probably a sloth. Mm. I'm not kidding. Katie in the pool is, I don't know, like a cheetah or something super fast. <laughs> but on land, love the girl to death. Slowest mover I've ever seen. I'll, I'll say, Katie, you're charging. You're just charging for your race. <laughs> Simone Manuel. Ooh, Simone. I think Simone's like a lion, definitely. Because she's definitely in charge. If anyone's ever met Simone, Simone is in charge. And then Kathleen Baker. I think Baker's kind of a giraffe. <laughs> it's my favorite. <laughs> Love giraffes. Cody Miller. I have to include Cody because he's my best friend. We have discussed this several times. <laughs> he is a meerkat. <laughs> Lily, what a, it's been a really fun time. I feel enlightened and I feel like I've learned some good mental techniques. Like I feel more confident. I'm going to be more confident. Good. You should be. Why not? <laughs> no, thank you very much for joining us. Cool. Yeah, this was fun. Olympic Channel Podcast. Big thanks to Lily. You can find her on Twitter as Lily King with two L's. I'm Eddie Knowles with an I and an E. And we are Olympic Channel across all platforms. Last week, we had another world record holder, the incredible Joshua Cheptegei, who recently broke the 5,000 metre world record. Here's a clip. The secret, of course, uh, for my success is that I, I am not always contented with whatever achievement I make. Actually, when I, when I, when I make an achievement, like now I did in Monaco, it makes me more hungry for more victories and more challenges. So now to me, Monaco is a done deal. I'm looking forward to new challenges in life. Such an interesting guy. Joshua is actually attempting to break the 10,000 meter world record on October the 7th. So stay tuned for that one. Right, that is it for this week. Stay safe, stay stronger together, and we'll see you very soon. Think like an Olympian. Olympian.